Comedian Michael Jr. has made countless TV appearances, including The Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Comedy Central, and was also in the movie War Room. On his national comedy tours, Michael packs venues performing for over 800,000 people each year. Michael Jr. joins us right now here on Mid-South Viewpoint. Michael, welcome to the show. Yo, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Let's do the thing. Let's jump in. Let's talk about it. We're going to talk about a new movie coming out called Selfie Dad. That's kind of the reason why we're together today. Before we jump in there, what adjustments have you had to make performing comedy in light of this COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, I haven't made any adjustments. I'm still on tour. It's just nobody's there. <laughs> so I personally haven't made any adjustments. Are you wearing your mask? No. That would uh, be weird for comedy probably. But I do think some of the adjustments that I've made is just being more um, creative from a perspective of creating content that can be used online and even creating content for when we go back and start hitting more stages that it's even going to be more powerful, more impactful. Because people's mindsets now are more about, hey, what am I really doing with my life? And that's what I'm all about. I want people to laugh, have a great time. But comedy is really the vehicle. It's not the destination for me. It's just a vehicle that I use to help people understand that there's a purpose that they have. There's something bigger they're supposed to do. So this environment has really kind of stirred that up inside of people as individuals to look around and say, wait, what am I really doing? Yeah. So my adjustment has been how do I, now that people's hearts are open, how do I prepare myself to make an even better deposit through laughter? Yeah. You started working at 14 years of age at a quick oil change, and by 19 you were working to buy that business. I was, man. I've always wanted to own my own business. No matter what it was, I just had that desire. And since I'd started working at an oil change place, I was like, I'm about to buy one. That's what we're going to do. We're going to buy an oil change place. So, yeah, man, that was my desire. Sounds like you saw the video I put on Facebook. I did. I love that video, Michael. Thank you for your transparency and your honesty. Yeah. Give us a brief look at your backstory. What was home life like for Michael Jr. growing up? Oh, home was, uh, was fun, a little challenging, as in my dad is always challenging me to do more and making sure I had, you know, that I was thinking about what was next. So uh, it was good. My mom and my dad actually just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Love my parents. Yeah, yeah. We sent them to Hawaii, which was great. <laughs> yeah. uh, we bought them some airline tickets. They went to Hawaii. We didn't get them a hotel or anything, a rental car or anything. We just sent them <laughs> to let them figure it out once they landed. Hang out at the airport, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, that, they just figured it out, I guess. <laughs> no, so that's been really great for that right there. But growing up as a kid was just... It was fun. You know, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I wasn't really a class clown because, you know, my dad doesn't mess around in school, so I would only say things in school that was funny enough to make the teacher laugh because a laughing teacher doesn't send you to the principal's office. (laughs) So I had to be very strategic with that. If I wanted to impress my friends, it had to also impress the teacher in a pretty significant way. And then even with the video that you're talking about, like even growing up in Grand Rapids, was it, which isn't by any means Detroit, but the video you were, we were just referred to is a video I put on Facebook about my uh, incident I had with the police where came into my house. I hadn't done anything wrong. I just got off work. I mean, I worked like 16 hours a day at the time. And uh, the police came into my house. The short of it is one of the officers put a gun in my head, put the hammer back, and just was just ready to just finish. Me. And it's just mm-hmm. weird. Anyway... So some good came out of it because I was able to look 
and help someone else as opposed to just thinking about my own pain and hurt, which is what people should do now. But the great part about this is because I've been digging into this so much and I'm blessed with this creative mind, I have a thought around what could actually help our scenario right now with the police officers. And it's funny, in the movie Selfie Dad, there's a scene in Selfie Dad where I get pulled over by the police. And the director, who's a great guy, all of the producers were great too, but the, you know they're, they're white. Uh, I shouldn't say, but they're white. I mean, <laughs> but is and they didn't understand how a black person gets yes. pulled over by the police. So in the script, it said you get pulled over by the police, and uh, you you get out the car. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm not gonna get out the car. Like that's not what we do. And then he was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. It's written right here. You just get out the car. I was like, bro, I'm not getting out. The... I've never even heard of a black person ever getting out. The... Like that. Does, that's not what's going to happen. So it was great because we were able to sit down and have a real conversation about what that looks like. Because it because it is script that they wrote, and they were very receptive, and they said, "Well, what should we do?" They said, "How about this? How about when you get pulled over, you're angry?" I was like, "Nope, I'm not angry. <laughs> I would. Why would I be angry? I don't even know why they're pulling me over. It just doesn't make sense for me to start off a conversation with an officer angry." It was great that in making this movie again, we could use that platform to kind of teach the crew on how this should go. And then what ended up happening was they actually allowed me to do the entire scene improv the way I would normally do it but in a comedic way. Yes. So we actually made, we had a good time with that scene, even though in the background we were teaching people what we need to do culturally from our end to make sure everything is nice and safe when I get pulled over by the police. But the result in the video we're talking about uh, on Facebook, the real life video of what really happened to me when I was 19 years old, what I think should happen with the police now, and I think what's going on is great, everybody's talking about the defunding and doing all these things, or whatever that looks like, those are all good ideas. They should be panned out. And I, I like police officers. I rarely, like, I, I respect them immensely. What they do is some really, really, really hard work. Like, I, if you're a police officer out there and you're listening, I really respect what you do. I think one of the ideas that we could do, though, one thing we should consider is, as opposed to just changing stuff from the top with the legal system and all of the systematic things, what if we made it a requirement that every officer, whether new or you've been there forever, seven to ten times a year you have to go into a community without your uniform on without your gun on your hip and have dinner at one of the households that you serve ideally with a family that doesn't necessarily look like you yeah because as you know as we all know something happens when you go to somebody's house and sit down and have a meal with them like something changes if you once you know their name like if i knew that the officer's name was jonathan and that he had a special needs child. And like, if I knew those things, and then he knew that I was, even when I'm 10 years old, I had a sense of humor. I like to go fishing. I argue with my sister sometimes. Like, if he knew those things about me, it kind of changes everything in a pretty significant way. Oh, yeah. And makes it way more tangible. So now, when I get put over by the police, because every time the police were around in my community, everybody got scared. It was never a matter of, yay, the police are here. It was always fear. So if the police get behind me and I'm scared, we're already in a bad position. But what if the police got behind me and I was able to say, I wonder if that's Jonathan. Like it changes everything in yeah. a significant way, not from the top down, but from the heart up. Yeah. So I think that could be a pretty cool move if we decided to do that. And and I know it could be well received in the community because just like on, in the movie Selfie Dad, the people I was speaking to and explaining to them what we go through with your pro police, they receive what I was saying. They understood as best as they could in the moment. 
So I just think it's a good opportunity to bridge that gap using yeah. the heart and using eye contact and using a mill. Great word, Michael Jr. Honest, open dialogue to work through these issues, you know, that have been silent for so long. And I, I think that's a great, great word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ebony, your wife, uh, how and where did you meet? Oh, uh, where did we meet at? We actually met at, you know, at the risk of sounding oversaved, we met at church. That's a good place. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. In fact, we went to the same church for probably two years, maybe almost a little over two years. And we had never seen each other before. And the church was pretty small. I mean, it was probably a 1,200-member church, but there was two services, and we went to the same service. And I actually performed there. And we had never, ever seen each other before, before it was time for us to meet. And then once we met, it was December when we met. I proposed in April. We were married in August. Um, <laughs> That's beautiful. She's amazing, tremendous, brilliant. She just she wrote a book that helps women before they get married. It's called Before He Finds You. Yeah, I saw that. Great book, and it's pretty much a lot of the stuff that she did prior to us getting married that really set us up for success in a big way. So she's pretty awesome. That's great. Well, Selfie Dad, you play a reality TV show editor. You play this guy, Ben Marcus, healthy, happily married with two beautiful kids, has a successful career, but is going through a midlife crisis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If, you know, it was a stretch for me to do a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm not that old. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, yeah, he's kind of going through it in a way where he doesn't really know what he's doing. He feels kind of stuck. He used to do comedy. But now he's just like an editor for his boss, Rosie, who's played by Shonda Pierce, who is awesome. She's great. Um, and he's just kind of stuck. So he starts this YouTube channel, and it blows up. And he starts to get everything he wants, but he's losing what he really needs. Hmm. And he didn't even notice it, and it's right under his nose. So he starts to lose that, and then he has to make some adjustments, but he doesn't even know how. And then somebody recommends that he reads this book called The Bible. And, like, he's all reluctant and reading the Bible and stuff is weird and reading it and sitting around. So he actually starts reading it, and then some really cool things happen, but not in a typical Christian movie type of way. Like, some things happen, but it's, like, way different than what you might expect, mainly because they brought me in to do this thing, and I have a bent towards comedy. So I'm able to create some comedic stuff kind of on the spot and then also punch the script up a little bit. So we did some unusual things in a really cool way to really bring the story across. So I'm excited about people seeing this. In fact, in the movie Selfie Dad, there's a scene that your viewers will notice uh, when they see this, but nobody else, you won't notice this unless I tell you. There's a scene towards the end of the movie where he makes videos are blowing up. They're funny. People are liking them. All this stuff is great. And then he decides to make a video about the Bible. When you see this film, this part about me watching the video, uh, making a video about the Bible, I want you to pay close attention because what happens is Ben Marcus is saying what the Bible has done for his life. But there's a part in there where I go, where I break character. You'll only notice it if you look for it. Where I break character and I go from being Ben Marcus to being Michael Jr. Because when I'm talking about what the Bible's done for me, it actually resonates so true to who I actually am and what the Bible's really done. You can literally see the little break that takes place, and it's me versus the character. So it's kind of yeah. cool to notice. I watched the movie last night, actually, thinking through that. I'm processing it. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. Wikipedia says midlife crisis 
is a transition of identity and self-confidence that can occur in the middle-aged individuals, typically 45 to 55. The term was invented in London back in 1957 when Elliot Jacks, a 40-year-old Canadian, stood before a meeting of the British Psychoanalytical Society, and he read aloud from a paper he'd written. Jacks did not claim to be the first to detect the midlife change. He pointed out that back in the 14th century, Dante Alighieri's protagonist in the Divine Comedy famously declares at the beginning of the book, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a dark forest, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. How much of Ben Marcus's story is relatable to you, Michael Jr.? One specific area that is like me, like I mentioned, is the transformation that takes place as a result of him, of me reading by what person is really significant. And then even the comedy, the comedic, the way that he approaches things is very similar to me as well. The family part, though, like he is running after his career so hard that he, in a big way, loses track of his family. That's not really how I get down specifically. Like, even my daughter was a couple of seconds ago just sitting right here on my lap. That's a huge, huge, huge deal for me. So I was able to know up front how important family is. Like, family comes way before anything I could do in my career. I mentioned about the midlife crisis because so many before 40, you know, you're chugging, you're working hard to make it, you know, you get through college, find that mate. And then when you start accumulating things, then you start questioning, you know, what is life really all about? Yeah. Here's the thing. I actually think that people do that in general. Like, I know comedians specifically do it. Like, if you look back in time at comedians, what happens is we get in front of audiences and we make a lot, a lot of people laugh. As a comedian gets older, it's a great way to look at people in general because everyone does this, but I'm specifically talking about comedians. They make a bunch of people laugh, let's say millions of people laugh, and then they start to look back and they say, well, but what did I really do? Like, I mean, just prior to Bill Cosby and the stuff that went on with the women, he was actually touring the country telling the people in the black community what to do with their lives to get on track of stuff. And it wasn't funny at all. It was only him really standing up preaching. But my thought process is what happened was he started looking back and saying, man, what am I really doing? Like, are we just laughing? So I'm in a position where I'm so blessed where before I really started gaining a lot of popularity, I've desired, I've hungered to help people. Like, that's my whole thing. Comedy is just a vehicle. It is not the destination. That's why, like, before the uh, interview, I, we were talking. That's why I have a nonprofit called RedBlueprint.org. It allows us to go to prisons and the homeless shelters and abuse children's facilities and make laughter commonplace in those uncommon places. Because when people laugh, their heart is open. And the only reason I want them to laugh is so I can make a deposit of whatever I feel like God is telling me to make in that moment. And that deposit, more times than not, will help that person grow. That's where I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to help those people yes. in the midst of the jokes, as opposed to looking around later in life and saying, wait, what did I do? We just laughed. That's it. So I want to use this comedy. And even this movie does that. Like, you will laugh. It's a great story, first off, but then you're going to laugh. But when you laugh, whenever you're watching something on TV, whenever you're listening to something and you laugh, you have to be aware of what is coming after the lapse, because whatever comes after the laugh is what's going to be deposited in your heart. So the after laugh is huge. So purpose.
purposely in this movie Selfie Dad, you're going to laugh and you'll have a great deposit into your heart. And you won't even have to think about what to do next. It'll be in your heart. Yeah. And you'll have a sense of what the next move could be. I definitely picked that up after watching the movie last night, Michael. Selfie Dad's movie's writer-director is Brad Silverman, former comedian turned filmmaker. Did you work with Brad in the comedy world prior to this film? No, not prior to that. We might have did a lunchbox thing. I think we might have hit some of the same clubs before, but no, I'd never seen him as a comedian before. I've always known him as a director. He has a great sense of humor and a great understanding about how to make things happen in a comedic way, but more importantly, how to get the story across so everybody understands it. That's what I loved about watching it. It was real. I mean, it was like real life. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't a cheesy Christian flick, if I can use that term, all right? Yeah, that's a real term. Who first approached you about casting for this role? Yeah, you know, I think they actually came at me from three different ways, because we're really in a good position where we get scripts sent to us to, to consider. The greatest part about the position I'm in, I mean, praise God, is I don't have to do any movies. I mean, I'm not a hungry, like, ooh, I want to be on a big screen. Like, I just want to, I know this is a sound, oversaved or whatever. I just really want to do whatever it is I'm called to do that's going to help the most people. So there's been scripts that are great and probably much bigger than this movie. But I'm thinking, like, how is this going to help people? Like, what is this going to do? Like, what are people going to walk with? they just going to feel good? Like, is there something more? Yeah. So when I finally decided to sit down and read this thing, I was excited. I thought it was a good film. But then when I met Brad, I was like, we could really do this. Because the script, as it was, needed some adjustments. And because he was so flexible and understood my style of communication, and I knew he would allow me to, to do that on the set, then we just had a blast. Like, a lot of the scenes are really improv like he gave us direction i hit every line the way they wanted me to and then they said okay now give us one the way you would do it and a lot of times that's the way that the ones that we used in the movie did you have an acting coach on the set that worked with you no we didn't have a acting coach at all i think there might have been a uh, i think one of the guys who was in the movie or one of the gaps used to be a football coach but that's it yeah, one lady had a coach purse. There was that too. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the great part about Brad. He actually just let me be me. So I have this thing that I've always done. Even like when I first started doing stand-up comedy, I used to always think past the audience that was in front of me. I used to always wonder if I was wa- if somebody was watching this on screen, would they enjoy it too? So I'm always playing the audiences in front of me, but I'm also thinking about the audiences that are past me all the time. So now it was cool in this movie, and even in War Room, the scenes in War Room, we did the same thing, the few scenes that I had. I actually just kind of just said, if I was in a theater, what would make this scene pop? And I'm always thinking from that perspective. Yeah. So even with, when I'm writing jokes, I'm always thinking, well, how is this going to take a person to the next level? Like, right. what's next? Yes. If I say this thing, how do we go to the next level? Right. So even when we go to a prison, I'm always thinking, like, what can we do here? For these prisoners, it's going to be different. Or we do comedy at a homeless shelter. Like a lot of times, like even when all of the floods and everything happened in the Houston area, people were contacting me and they were saying stuff like, hey, we really want to do a comedy show for the flood victims and we want to raise money. And do I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean raise money? What are you talking about? They said, well, we're going to do a comedy show and raise money, but it's not even for the people. It's just raising money. So it didn't make sense for me to go to a city, close to a city that's been hurt, Make those people laugh so they will give money to the other people. Why don't they just send the money? Why well, I got yeah. well, a joke for them? Yeah. So what I said was, I said, listen, instead, when they're ready, and we've done this, for me to do a comedy show for the actual people who've been hurt, 
that's what I want to do. Oh, wow. I don't just want to be used to leverage money. So that's I try to be purposeful about what's next versus just doing whatever. Michael, you mentioned Shonda Pierce, who is in the movie with you. Veteran actor James Denton, currently in his fifth season of The Good Witch on the Hallmark Channel. Actress Karen Abercrombie, who you made another movie with, War Room, as well as upcoming actress Shelby Simmons. She's doing a couple of upcoming Disney projects. And singer-songwriter Jamie Grace. Did you enjoy hanging out with this gang? Oh, they were amazing. Shonda Pierce is hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Really, um... <laughs> I mean, she's just hysterical, and her comedy is a little the opposite of mine. So in this movie, she plays opposite of me. So all of that comes together phenomenally. And then Shelby Simmons is brilliant. She plays my daughter in this, and she's brilliant. She's beautiful, and she is all about getting the thing done. And, you know, she's been in a few Disney movies, but also she's in the TV show Bunk. She's just really great and so super solid. She's a great actress. This movie, I'm very happy with the way this thing turned out. I think they did a great job with this thing. Funny stories working with the cast and crew or any moment off camera that meant a lot to you? Yeah, you know, one thing that was cool is uh, a lot of the Christian films that are out, they'll have, uh, you know, like when I did War Room, it was in North Carolina. So the majority, I would say maybe almost 100% of the crew were Christian or a large percentage, I could say for sure. Where this one was done, we filmed this mostly in Burbank, in the Hollywood area. I think that a small percentage of this crew was actually a Christian crew, or even the team. I mean, there's myself, there's Shelby, there's Chandra, and then there's the director and the producer, but a lot of them weren't so much, So, which was great, because that's where I want to live. Like I, That's where I want to be. So there was a point where we were behind schedule pretty significantly, which cost a lot of money. And me and the producer and the directors met, and we were like, man, we're getting behind schedule. What are we doing? And we, we prayed. I kind of suggested, I said, hey, man, why don't we do a, uh, like, what if we did a devotional? We can't call it a devotional because that stuff is weird, like a Bible study. I don't even like devotion. It just feels, you say Bible study, that's weird. I'm going to study the Bible. It just feels creepy and weird. I don't even know what it means. So I said, yo, just let me talk to the crew. It'll be fun. It'll be entertaining. But I'll do what I do at my live events. Like, I'm going to reveal God in it because I don't have to bring him into it because he's already there. But I'll reveal how God is working in it. And then they said, sounds good. Why don't we do it at lunch? I was like, no, 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 no. We can't do it during lunch. We have to do it while we're paying them. Doing it at lunch is one thing, but no, no, no. They can go anywhere for lunch, but if we do it while they're being paid, it'll send a completely different message. Now, keep in mind, we're behind schedule. Now we're going to pay these people to sit and listen to me bring humor and then reveal some truth. Like, we're going to pay them for that. And they went and prayed on it, and they came back and said, this doesn't make any sense, but we're going to do it. And we did it. And it was so awesome. Like, it was so cool what would happen. I mean, the, the questions. And then I said, if anybody has any questions or if you want to pray about anything, I pointed out the Christians that were on the set, and I had them raise their hand. I said, if you want to pray about anything or if you have any anything with your family, anything, you can reach out to these people. And a bunch of them did afterwards. Then that very same day, by the end of the day, we were ahead of schedule. I think God is like, you're going to be about my business? Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and help you with yours. I love that, Michael Jr. You know, God is not about programs. He's about people touching the heart. And we get so busy with the way we do things, the process, you know, and we leave the people out. Absolutely, for sure, which is, yeah, which is 100% true. Super easy to look at a person as an object when they're actually a person. Like if we make eye contact with Instead of them being the CEO or being a police officer or being a principal, what if they were 
Tom. Something changes when you give a person a name versus just calling them by their title. That's a great word. We want all of our Bot Radio Network listening friends to go to SelfieDadMovie.com. There's a trailer, more details about the movie. Even more importantly, don't forget the movie Selfie Dad, world premiere Friday, June 19th. At uh, your house. At your house, yeah. You get to watch it at home. Like, we were going to put it in theaters. It was all locked to go in theaters. And then because of what happens with the virus and the theaters being shut down and only at 25% capacity, instead of waiting a whole year, we decided to release it on a video on demand right now. So June 19th, you get to watch a theatrical level movie at your house. Your whole family on Father's Day weekend can watch this movie for like $19, which is crazy because if you would have had to go to the movie, get in the car, gas, the popcorn is $97. So now you actually get to see it at home It'll be really, really, really cool for you to just sit back and enjoy this. I'm, I'm excited about the feedback we're going to get. I'm excited about the changes that people make and in the reality of what God's Word can do for a person's heart. Be revealed in a new way, in yeah. a way that it, it hadn't been revealed before through a great story. But also, this thing has three ingredients that are very rare in a Christian film. There's faith in all Christian films, I hope, if not, something went wrong. Most of the time, there's family. But now this also has some funny in it, too. That's like three Fs. That hasn't happened to me since <laughs> high school. That is pretty awesome. Well, you should be proud. It's a great movie, Michael Jr., Selfie Dad. Hey, by the way, you have a podcast also called Off the Cuff. We do. It's a podcast. So at my comedy events, I do stand-up comedy, but more times than not, I'll stop in the middle of my show, sit down on the stool, and talk to audience members, and funny just happens. Completely unscripted, completely impromptu. I'm just talking to regular people from all over the country, and funny just happens. So we record those segments, and then me and my tech guy talk about what happened, and then you actually get to hear those segments in our podcast called Off the Cuff. So people should check that out. If you download the podcast today, it's free of charge. I just want to say that. <laughs> I love that. Or if you do it at any point in your life, it's free. <laughs> That's great. So, Michael Jr., also, I'm one of your Twitter followers, so I keep up with you on Twitter. You are out there on social media. Oh, cool. Encourage our friends to check yeah. you out. Yeah, I'm Michael Jr. Comedy on all social media platforms. If you want to see the video we talked about where I shared the story about the police officer putting a gun in my head, I actually put it on all channels and just put in Michael J.R. Comedy. That video is not funny. I'm just going to throw that out there for you. But if you want some funny, by all means, go to YouTube, put in Michael J.R. Funny. Or if you want some funny, a lot of women mention it, I have a CD because we're going through a lot right now. We've been offering a free CD to people. So if you want to go to Michael J.R. Comedy slash free CD, we'll send you a free comedy CD where you can just sit back and listen and laugh and enjoy it. So that's pretty fun. Michael Jr., this has been fun, and I appreciate you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you do for Christ's kingdom. Thank you for sharing with us today about Selfie Dad, the movie coming out June 19th. In your home, you can check it out on Redbox, Amazon, iTunes, Fandango Now. So go to those connections and make sure you make plans to see Selfie Dad. I do appreciate you stopping by and being on the show today. Dude, you're awesome, man. Great interview. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. That's all the time we have. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.